That's the sound of Africa in Toronto. The Okavango African Orchestra. Seven musicians from five different countries performing live at Toronto's Habari African Music Fest, an annual summer festival in Toronto, Canada. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. This edition, Toronto's African Scene. We'll meet Africa's musicians who have made their home in this metropolis of the frozen north. Everything from deep roots to Afrobeat and beyond. Canada is heaven, seriously. For Canadians, they have no idea. Of places I've been, Canada is heaven. Toronto is like anything you want in the world, you get it. When it comes to music, when you want Arabic music, you get it. Reggae music, you get it here. African music, you get it here. Cuban music, you get it here. When it comes to food, any food you want in the world, you get it in Toronto. There's a sound, there's an African music sound in Toronto that doesn't exist anywhere else. These are just a few of the folks we'll meet in this program, praising their home city, Toronto. We begin with a veteran of the scene there, Kofi Aka son of the late Ghanaian high-life band leader, Jewel Aka. Kofi came to Toronto way back in the early 1990s. Actually, at that time, you know, Toronto had this place called the Bamboo Club. It was the spot. All the, like, famous African musicians come on tour in Toronto. That's why you see all of them. Kanda Bongo Man, name it, Mani Dibango, Huma Sekela, name it. Oh, and there was a lot of musicians around and I really liked the vibe of Toronto. And my dad loved Toronto. He made uh, two albums here. So when we came, I, I want to stay here. Goffey says there was a sense of community among Africans in Toronto. Basically, I would say the musicians, we know each other. Even if you're not a musician and you are African who came in Toronto, we all know each other because we all meet at the same place do stuff together, party together, Bamboo Club, El Mocambo, Silver Dollar. By that time, any musician that would come in town, everybody want to come up and have fun. Kofi has played with many, many bands over his years in Canada. Too many to list. But these days, he's the all-important drummer in the Okavango African Orchestra. The group composes music together, organically. Ideas start in one style, but they don't stay there. My song sounds like High Life, but not really High Life. Kofi is talking about the song he wrote for the group's second album, Africa Without Borders. The song is called Pete Pete, which means vulture. Pete Pete is like a folk song. Way back, my grandparents used to sing this song to us when the moon set. We'll all sit around, and now grandmother will sit, tell us about this story about a vulture, like a kid playing around, and the mom is calling, hey, hey, come, come, uh, the food is ready, and the vulture is asking mom, mom, what kind of food is it? He said, oh, it's like fufu and some soup. Oh, oh, I like, that's my favorite, so I'll come eat it. If it was another different food, I won't come. But because it's fufu and that soup, I'll come. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the 
That sounds pretty good, especially compared to what vultures normally eat. I know. <laughs> I know. Better, better. Better, better. Oh, my Mary Vango African Orchestra from Toronto with a song by Kofi Aka. You know, Toronto is now home to veterans from groups you probably know. Zaiko Langa Langa, Kofi Olomide, Mokumba, and Mbongwana Star, to name a few. But one of the most important people on the scene is a Canadian woman, Nadine McNulty. I love Nadine. Nadine is like a sister to me and our Boss, our manager is Nadine. She started the group. Nadine is like, musically, she's, she's like everything to me, honestly. Every time there is an event or an, an opportunity, she always sends my music out. She really guides artists like myself to becoming professional. Nadine, one day, should actually be buried in Africa in a pyramid as a remembrance because every artist who's African who has come here, the dean has got their hand on and showing them and guiding them and telling them this is the way. Let's say an artist collapsed and they're in the hospital. The dean would be the first one to go. Let's say an artist has been kicked out of their house or an artist has no food. The dean will pass that information faster. So she has that old school way of doing something from the heart. I'm Nadine McNulty. I'm the artistic director of Batuki Music Society. I'm also the producer and a co-host of Kiribuni, which is an African radio program produced in Toronto, aired on CIUT 89.5. It's a community radio station, University of Toronto. I've also been working as an arts consultant for artists, but particularly African artists. And that's not all. Since 2014, Nadine has produced Toronto's annual Habari African Music Festival. All this goes back to her extensive travels in Africa beginning in the early 90s. I managed to work with a lot of artists in Africa, but then coming back to Toronto, kind of knowing both sides of the picture, it was a natural progression for me to connect with many of the artists because I understood their challenges. 
reality in Africa is very different in the way music's produced, in the way that it's presented. Artists get paid for concerts. Here it was very different at the time. You're talking about a few years ago where records actually made money. I was on the board of Music Africa, which is was founded in the late 80s by two Ghanaians, Fadi Olsen and Sam Mensa. They ran a record label here called High Life World, and they started recording Ghanaian artists. And this is in like the 80s and the late 70s, I believe. They recorded people like Pat Thomas, who moved to Toronto in the 80s. They recorded people like A.B. Krenzel, Juwalaka. They loved African music, and they looked around in Toronto and said there really isn't anything. So this is kind of how it first started. It started with the interest of these two Ghanaians running first a label. They had a radio program on CKLN Sounds of Africa. Music Africa still exists today, and every year on the second weekend in July, it presents Afrofest, a live music extravaganza. Afrofest was one of the signature places where African music started to grow and community radio was really a big help to spread African music. You could hear African music on the airwaves in the 80s. You could hear it a lot. And in the 90s, you could see it. It was actually, in some ways, more visible than it is today. It sort of became a thing, like, to record in Toronto, you know. There's that album, Toronto by Night, by A.B. Krenzel. They started this whole wave of people wanting to come here and record and take the products back to Africa. It wasn't just the migration one way. The migration was going back. And that continues until today. Take the example of Sheka Kantanen Jubate, a rising star in Conakry these days. She's been living in Toronto for years and, you know, it wasn't until a few years ago that she actually took her music back home. Sheka had that drive. You could see it in her. And I remember telling her, you need to be on the stage. It's kind of the same thing I said to Tapa Diara, Jelly Tapa, when she first moved to Canada. Same thing. There are griots when they moved here, they get stressed out because what's the job of a griot now? They're in a foreign country and the practices and the things that they would be part of are not really there. So... Sheka became a snow griot. She called her band Sheka and the Snow Griots, which was really cool. And she did a little bit in more of her cultural music. And then she realized that I need to get out there. And she started collaborating with a lot of DJs. She invested in herself. And I think that's the reason why she's been so successful. <laughs> Ibadi bandi saloma, aketo bani lady, nika. 
Soule Soule, a 2020 hit by Guinean singing star Sheka Kantenen Djubate. Remember that name. A longtime resident of Toronto. Beautiful. And by the way, Sheka's son Yaya is today a very successful rapper who goes by the name Lil Berete. His raps are pretty rough, full of F-bombs and N-words. But hey... Little Berete is racking up views in the millions on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time, every time, every time I throw money, I'm time fly. Don't you know what a time fly? What's a time fly? Every time I throw that money, time fly. Canadian rapper Lil Berete. Now, coming back to our story, Nadine says that there was a kind of golden era of African music in Toronto. It really started growing. I think the 90s and 2000s, Toronto was a center for African music from all corners. And I'm thinking back, too, to the very beginning when people like Native Spirit, a Ghanaian band that lived here, toured Canada. And this is groundbreaking stuff. Tariq Abubakar and the Afro-Nubians, the first winter tour in minus 30 below across Canada in an old ambulance, you know, with eight different Africans of different nationalities. Wow, the Afro-Nubians live at Toronto's AfroFest back in 1997. But hey, let's get back to the present and meet the brilliant young Congolese-Canadian singer, Blondine. I was born in Congo in the 80s, in Kinshasa. I left the Congo in 1991 because my dad was an ambassador, so we went to Togo. I was really young, so I started singing at school in the church, and then I slowly gravitated into secular music, non-gospel, but my foundation is really gospel music. Blandine was 14 when the family moved to Toronto. The change of government in Kinshasa made her father, uh, let's just say, unwelcome there. Spotted for her strong voice, she was asked to sing Arita Franklin's Respect. Literally, I didn't understand English and someone giving me respect by an icon to sing. I was like, are these people out of their mind? Do you realize that I don't even know what I'm singing? But of course, Blondine nailed it. And before long, she was doing gigs in a Motown cover band, wearing wigs and dresses just like the Supremes. Next, she set off on her own career singing R&B music. 
there were a few African festival promoters. They kind of asked me if I wanted to sing some African music. And actually, I always sang a song by Taboule called Pitié. I sang that song because it was in French and I couldn't understand. Okay, people actually enjoy the African repertoire. So it's like, okay, let me scratch the R&B. Let me start adding a few more Congolese songs on there. So I did some Billy Bell since I knew her and listened to her. The more I continued, the more I had opportunities to sing in festivals with the band and sing Congolese music. So I was like, okay, this is different. This is not what I expected. And I was getting paid for it. So I was like, even better. So Blondine threw herself into the work, studying Lingala and honing her vocal delivery. Before she knew it, she was singing backup for her hero, Mbilia Bell, on an international tour culminating in three huge shows in Colombia. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I was having goosebumps and I was just right beside her. And I was like, okay, I need to like keep myself together. All the three shows were sold out in stadiums, people singing. And there I met Lucas Ayambongo, guitarist, who used to play for Tabule. And we connected. He took me as his little granddaughter. Blondine has won the respect of Congolese legends, including J.P. Bousset, formerly of Zaiko Langa Langa, and guitarist Lebu Kabuya, who played with Kofiolomide, and also in the all-Congolese band that recorded Blondine's debut album, L'Antidote, The Antidote. There is a song in the album called Pièce Détachée. In English, we would say broken pieces. Two people were in a relationship and then they broke up. And then one of the person is asking the other to come back because since they've broken up, their heart has broken to pieces. And the other person is the only one who could put those pieces together. Oh, oh, oh. You're like kissing a 
Blondine with Pièce Détachée, a song she composed and sang with Congolese singer Didime Bongo. Blondine was in Ivory Coast when the pandemic began, and she stayed there for six months. During that time, she got a message from the one and only J.P. Bousset, longtime member of Zaiko Langa Langa. J.P. Bousset was like, listen, I want you to do a cover of my song, but sing it in your own way with musicians in the Ivory Coast, and then we'll work on the video. So I did it, he loved it. Then I traveled to Kinshasa, and the video was actually shot in Kinshasa in December. The song is called Conseil, or Advice, and that video is awesome. Check it out on YouTube. And check out our full interview with Blondine on afropop.org. Here is Conseil. Wow, that's beautiful. Toronto's rising Congolese star, Blondine, with her 2021 song and video, Conseil. Well, now it's time to check in with an artist we've known for some years, Emmanuel Jal. Jal has made a long, strange journey from his birthplace in war-ravaged South Sudan to the stages of the world, and now to his home since 2012 in Toronto. Well, you know, I used to be in England, and one time I decided to move to South Sudan, and then when I arrived there, the welcoming wasn't that great. So I did a peace concert, and because I'm an activist, I was told, we don't like activists. So there was a time I was beaten by police at night until I blacked out. Then I had a choice, okay, it wasn't a safe place to be, and I decided, okay, let me get myself a bass where I can really focus on music and do my work. 
then Canada told me, hey, we like people like you. Come over. <laughs> That's how I came to Canada. Jal says Canada feels like home. Well, as much as it can be for a war refugee like himself. When you're a refugee, it takes you 30 to 50 years to actually mentally settle because you have your heart based back at home. So your mind is elsewhere. So to actually focus in one place and do something is the challenge because 24 hours you're living in the past and in the future. So it's been a challenge for not only me, but a lot of refugees, but I've managed to zoom my focus to do something. You know? He certainly has. Jal's 2018 album, Nav, was recorded between Toronto and Kenya, where his sister and collaborator was still living in a refugee camp. At that time, South Sudan was uh, at war with itself again. And so what we did with my sister is, how can we still communicate as artists to show a positive side and write songs about the future, you know? Enjoying the future now. Let's hear the track Tishwong, which means it is your right. Emmanuel Jal with Tishwong from his album Nav. Jal is working on a new album. He told us about one song he's especially proud of. There's one track that I'm bringing a style that only exists in the village. It's almost like hip-hop, but it's not hip-hop. But it's a style when you are in love with a girl, you go to their house and freestyle until morning. If the mother come and gives you water, you don't drink it. The sister come, don't drink it. Whatever they bring you food, don't drink it. You drink the water, you become family friend. But if the brother or the uncle or the father come, run away. Any man that is coming, run. <laughs> if the girl come, it's a good news. It means the family likes you. <laughs> good advice for suitors in South Sudan. Meanwhile, Jal did share a new song with us. It's called Talking to Me. I'm talking to me. Get respect if you die for what you believe in Fear no death cause his ancestors uniting 
Never stop giving, it's part of this life you're living Nobody is clean and you made it this far while sinning Give thanks to the Lord Meditate with your mind Sometimes it's wise to hold your tongue Everywhere you go, son, guard your lungs Keep like talking, just keep walking Don't waste time, now clock is ticking Pips like talking, just keep walking Don't waste time, now clock is ticking I'm talking to me, talking to me I'm talking to me, talking to me I'm speaking to me, speaking to me I'm speaking to me, speaking to me Emmanuel Jal with a preview of New Work. Don't forget to visit afropop.org to read our complete interview with Jal and for more on the artists in this program. Coming up, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Afrobeats and more as we dig deeper into Toronto's African scene. I'm Georges Collinet and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Abeba, Fantaoun Shewankochu studied trumpet and kar at the music academy and made his way as a songwriter, band leader, and educator until... I came to Canada in uh, 2010. There was a problem with the politics. Anyway, I had a problem there, so I decided to come to Canada. As you can hear, Fantahoun didn't want to tell us too much about why he left Ethiopia, but he made it clear often as we spoke that he loves his homeland as well as his adopted country. Canada, there are so many supports for the artists, for the musicians. Now even I'm working uh, my new album in support of Ontario Art Council and Toronto Art Council, so I'm glad to be here. When Fontohun recorded his 2016 album Adera, it was not easy to find the support musicians he needed. You know, Ethiopian music is not easy to understand. I have to work hard and it takes time. The first time it was difficult for the musician playing Ethiopian music. Ethiopian music is unique and we, we don't expose our music, so it's strange for the musicians, even the listeners. Even for African musicians, Ethiopian rhythms are very difficult. But they learn it, and finally they master it, so we did a great job. The album's title track, Adera, is a vocal tour de force, and a deeply personal expression for Fantoum. Adera is very important to me. I can say it's one of my signature songs. Very challenging and... Uh, Adera is one of the songs which I sung about my country, for Ethiopia. I believe in God, so I gave my country to Him to protect, to give it peace, prosperity. So I love that song. You know, the range is very high. <laughs> it's not easy. As you'll hear, that's an understatement. On Adera, Fandun sings 
The poor perish of starvation, disease, migration, and poverty. Tears have been flowing for so many years. Oh, please, merciful Lord, this is as much as she can take. Fantaoun Shewan Kuchu with a song of hope and devotion for his country, Ethiopia. Fantaoun left at a moment of crisis and has yet to return over a decade later, but he travels widely and works with Ethiopian musicians throughout the diaspora. Adjusting to life in Canada wasn't easy at first, but these days he feels quite at home there. The Ethiopian community here in Toronto is big. There are so many Ethiopians here. Fantaoun is proud of his Canadian musicians. He's trained them well, and they are at work on a new album. For today, let's hear a dance track from Adera, Bailalen. Bailalen is, you know, Chikchika rhythm. This is Chik Chika, okay? 6A. I'm talking about culture, especially the Askista, one of the Ethiopian dances. It's a love song, actually, but at the same time, I have a culture, it says. I have a culture through that dance, Askista.
I love it. Ethiopian Chik Chika from Toronto's Fantaoun Shewan Kotchou. Now, let's come back to the Okavango African Orchestra. Nadine McNulty formed the group in 2012 in order to showcase Toronto's Pan-African sound. Okavango includes musicians from Ghana, Senegal, Eritrea, Rwanda, and Zimbabwe. The group is named after a Delta oasis in Botswana, a traditional meeting place for friends and rivals alike. So the orchestra is a kind of common ground for musicians with very different backgrounds. The first album was hard because you had to trust all these other people and parts and regions. And we did have some cultural clashes in a way. They've all turned into jokes, of course, but there's been stress because people from East Africa are quite different than people from West Africa in terms of the way that they behave, the way they speak. You know, the West Africans, especially the Ghanaian guys, we always tease them because they're loud. Just even their language when they're speaking in tree, you know, it's loud and not like Eritreans who are quieter. There was all this funny stuff going on with people that didn't understand. They thought somebody's yelling, somebody is mad, you know. And um, at this point, because they're all really tight now, it's become sort of this competitive thing like, hey, you West Africans, you know. We're hearing a track from Okavango's second album, Africa Without Borders, which, by the way, is nominated for a 2021 Juno Award. That's the Canadian equivalent of a Grammy. This song, Manda, or Chaos, came to the group from Zimbabwean multi-instrumentalist and singer Tichana Marezza. Eritrean maestro Daniel Nebiat wanted to introduce the Eritrean Guaila rhythm to the band's repertoire. But at first, the other musicians weren't quite at ease with it. And on the second album, Danny had this idea that he said, I'm Eritrean, I'm East African, but these guys are all like, whatever they do, they just go anywhere. I don't know where they're going, but let me see what they can do. I will do the first part of the song, Guayla. And then halfway through, Danny just said, okay, guys, take off, do whatever you want. So that song, Muzika, is the result of that. <laughs> Sous-titrage 
Guayla Rhythm from Okavango African Orchestra. Nadine McNulty says there is a bit of a paradox going on these days in Toronto. The city is expensive, jobs are scarce, but it's still a magnet and an incubator for African artists. There's been a migration of really top-level people. The thing that's hard here, even before COVID, just the whole change in the industry, People lost jobs, their tours were cancelled. Even though they lost money on albums and on even the streamings not really paying them, they really need to make more income somehow. So it's been difficult. There's only the very few, like the Weekends and the Drake and the, the bigger stars, even um, some of the younger stars now that are starting to do well. You know, Mustafa the Poet and Little Berete, Katan and Sheka Jabate's son. He suddenly just blew up. Now, let's check out Mustafa the Poet, a Sudanese-Canadian born and raised in Toronto. Starting at age seven, Mustafa's poems about poverty in Africa and his own Regent Park neighborhood in Toronto gained him national attention. His compositions and backing vocals have found their way into work by artists from The Weeknd to Taylor Swift. And with his silky smooth voice and powerful lyrics, he's become a rising international star on his own. Here is his 2020 debut single, Stay Alive. A bottle of lead, a gun in your jeans, and a little faith in me. A plane in the sky, the only starlight on this never-ending street. The cameras and cops, we could have been stars on our mother's new screens. On our mother's new screens. All of these traps, and all of these street signs, none of them will But I'll be your empire Just stay alive, stay alive 
the sweet voice of Mustafa the poet. Wow. As you can hear, the new generation of Afro-Torontonians are branching out stylistically. Case in point, at South by Southwest in 2019, we met a young singer-songwriter named Tommy. Tommy, which is my artist name, is actually my middle name. I am the singer-songwriter. I'm Nigerian and French-Canadian, born in Montreal, but raised in Ontario my entire life. So when it comes to my music, I actually incorporated that Nigerian and French-Canadian roots into that sound. So for me, like the Afro R&B is the best way for me to describe my genre. And so I kind of do a nice mix of French and English on an Afro beat sound with an R&B twist. Into love, not to your love is calling me all night long. Your love is calling me on the phone. Your love is killing me after all. Your love is, your love is strong. Your love is calling me all night long. Your love is calling me on the phone. Your love is killing me after all. Your love is, your love is strong. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, where? We're hearing Tommy's 2019 debut single, L'Amour. Hmm. Tommy started playing guitar and writing songs when she was 10, and her style was kind of indie singer-songwriter. Her Nigerian father, Lukman Akambi, is a veteran of Toronto's African music scene with a long involvement in the Afrofest festival. These days, he runs a restaurant and lounge, a record label, and a presenting organization all under the name Kiza, which means community. Kiza is solid behind the Afrobeats movement, and his restaurant quickly became a hub for artists and producers. When that happened, I started being introduced to many, many different people in the African industry and a lot more producers as well. And so I was speaking to my dad and showing him my indie folk sort of alternative sound. And, you know, he was like, yeah, it's nice, but it could be better. It could be more marketable. And I'm like, what do you mean more marketable? And so he actually encouraged me to step out of my comfort zone and start working with producers who have an Afrobeat sound, see if that works for you. And that actually brought out much more confidence in me, and that really shaped my sound now. There are so many Afrobeat artists that are trying to make it as well, and they're starting from Toronto. They came from Nigeria, but I feel like they all believe that there's much more opportunity here to push that in Nigeria and here. Beats genre in general has really made an impact, I think, much more globally than it was before. And I feel like I really want to take advantage of that because I do want to push to the Afrobeat market and the African market, but it's not my goal. For me, honestly, my goal was to bring something new to the mainstream. So that mid-American and Canadian sound, I wanted to bring my R&B and hip-hop sound and add the culture into it, add my Afro beats into it and the reggae into it. Afro R&B is something that is done by Wizkid and Burna Boy and so on and so forth, but I feel like I want to just be the difference that makes it in the mainstream. That's my main goal. 
Well, when Tommy spoke to us, she didn't know that Burner Boy and Whiskey were destined to win 2021 Grammy Awards. I'd say that's mainstream, wouldn't you? Uh, my name is Luke Manakomi. I'm the founder of Kiza Group. Kiza Restaurant, Lounge, Kiza Music, too many things. The most important thing is that I call myself more as a cultural connector. And that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years, uh, trying to promote the African culture on the mainstream, um, trying to change the narrative because the narrative has been very bad. So that's what we've been doing at it now. Globally, everywhere, the results are showing we are now well accepted. Now everybody knows Afrobeat. They play Afrobeat in the malls, they play Afrobeat everywhere. Kiza has brought artists like Davido to Toronto, and he's a big booster for the new Afrobeat style. Okay, in the time we've left, let's do a quick round-robin of other young Afro-Torontonian artists. Our guide, of course, Nadine McNulty. We start with Slim Flex. His real name's Felix Apaya Koring, but he's known as Slim Flex. He's from Ghana. And he came up playing High Life. Kofi and Ebenezer, the bass player, have been really instrumental in bringing up other Ghanaian artists. They mentor them. And Slim Flex, it's very Afrobeat. He appeals to a young demographic. That's kind of where he's at. Drive me crazy, drive me Slim Flex with Ohema. What else have you got for us, Nadine? Amani Ilfaded. She's a Southern Sudanese singer. She moved to Canada when she was young. She's been living in Toronto and her music is all over. It's it's Afropop. There's a bit of hip hop. She writes all her own words. And her music is really just an expression of her life and her past. She's one of those everything is on the table. Say, and we all say, Hola, Neha, Salam, 
Money Ill-Fated from South Sudan via Toronto. And check out this artist who goes by the name Witch Prophet. Her real name is Ayo Leilani. She's very connected to her Ethiopian Eritrean roots. She claims both. And the music that she's playing and expressing, I think it's the way that she sees herself. I am of Toronto's African scene. One thing we wondered about is how all these Africans managed to handle the brutal Canadian winter. Kofi Aka's answer was typical. Winter? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not a fan of winter, though. Especially when it snows. So I can't handle it. No, I don't like it. No. And then there was Emmanuel Jal. Yeah, winter, it's something I had to get used to. I never used to like snow. And so what I did one day, I said, look, snow, you are here and we got to love each other. So one day I just make sure nobody's looking and it is at night. I just jump into the snow and roll myself naked in the snow. And I felt the cold and went inside and said, this is it. We are now friends forever. <laughs> That's the spirit, Emmanuel. <laughs> I love this guy. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and from PRX affiliate stations around the US. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Oh, by the way, friends, This is big news. This fall, Afropop Worldwide will begin its 35th year on public radio. Can you believe it? Well, we're planning a big celebration, but we need your help. So get out your cell phone and film yourself telling us a favorite Afropop memory, a program, a concert, a romance, whatever you like. Short and sweet, no more than 15 seconds. Send your video to info at afropop.org and post it on your social media with the hashtag afropop35 afropop35 got it? okay can't wait to hear from you big huge thanks to Nadine McNulty Tierno Soumare and everyone at Batuki Music Society for all their help with this program Visit afropop.org to read our interviews with Blondine and Emmanuel Jal. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Marlowe. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Banning Air. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast including radio programs and our Afropop Close-Up podcast series. 
and don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones. This program was mixed by Michael at Studio 44 in Brooklyn. Additional engineering by GC from the syncopated layer in Washington, D.C. Benning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Mukwai Wabi Siolwe. And I'm Georges Collinet.